Being a father is like shaving. No matter how good you shave today, you have to do it again tomorrow. Read Markham. This is Dadography, a podcast with stories and insights on fatherhood from dads around the globe, dedicated to providing you with the tools and tips to become a better dad. I'm your host, Corey Wood. Today's guest is Mark Owens. Mark, I want to welcome you to the Dadography podcast. We look forward to speaking with you and getting to know you and your fatherhood style a little bit better. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you, Corey. I've been really looking forward to this meeting. I've been excited and I've taken notes from the other fathers that I've listened to. And wow, wealth of information that we share on this podcast, I tell you. Well, that's fantastic. You know, that's really our goal, uh, that it can be somewhat entertaining, but ultimately we, we do want it to be a resource for dads that are listening. So, hey, listen, give the people an opportunity to know you a little bit better. Uh, tell me a little bit about yourself, Mark. Thanks for allowing me this. I have a lot to share. I have a wonderful marriage. We're about to celebrate our 25th anniversary. I'm born in the United States, currently reside 20 minutes outside of Richmond, Virginia, which is my birthplace. I am a firefighter, also a veteran in the United States Air Force. I hear you. And your children? I have two children, talented, beautiful kids. Austin, uh, my 17-year-old, and my beautiful daughter, Elena, is 11. Good two ages there. Uh, 11-year-olds, they're at that age where they're, you know, just beginning stages of independence and growing up, but still young enough to uh, uh, be so much fun and full of laughter to be around. 17-year-olds, obviously teenage years uh, or years where uh, they're definitely beginning to experience life from a different angle. Well, let me let me put some context to uh, the idea of fatherhood. And one of the ways that I like to do that is by asking my guests about their father. So, Mark, tell me a little bit about, I guess, your childhood and your dad so we can have a sense of how you father. Well, when I think of my father, I think of almost a blend of John Wayne and Clint Eastwood. <laughs> uh and John Wayne's the, the cowboy that always says day, and, and Clint Eastwood's always that stern person that handles it. And my dad's attributes that I, as a kid, I always, always looked at. He's a hardworking man. He was very humble, sincere, and uh, determined in everything, every challenge he did. And at the same time, being a, a hardworking father, he was caring. He took the time to care. I reflect on trips to him and I going fishing together, catching my first fist with him. I looked at my dad at a younger age, not only as a mentor, but as a friend. Okay. It seems like he was very uh, committed to quality time. You having these these memories of, you know, obviously your first fishing trip, like he, he really leaned towards uh, making sure that he was spending quality time with you. Right. Yeah, I'm the eldest out of three. I have two two younger brothers, but he provided us individual time. But at the same time, we worked as a group. You know, if it was hanging out at the river, my father had a campsite close to our house, and we would just hang out and 
just do things together. And it was always, uh, you know, bonding experience with all, all four of us. Yeah. There's a degree of wisdom in having more than one child and recognizing the need to gel the family bond by, by doing things together with the kids and then uh, the importance of making sure that each child gets their individual time as well. There's a lot of wisdom in that. And that's something uh, having never met your dad, I, I have to say, I admire from afar. So what are some of the similarities that, you know, the, the way you father and the way that your father uh, fathered you? When I'm explaining to my kids or when I'm explaining situations to them, I almost hear the echoes of my father through me. Um, mm. When I look back and I've explained something to either my daughter or my son, you know, why we need to do this, this is what we're doing. I said, you know, this is exactly how my father almost explained it to me. You know, I remember we were, he was working on my car one time and I, it was a brake line. And uh, I just remember him e explaining the importance of, you know, the brakes you know, how to go through things like that, detailing how to repair a brake line, all that. And, you know, when you're 17, like my son right now, I think, you know, I've got more things to do than worry about a brake line. But I almost can see his uh, compassions and, and frustration at the same time because of my intention. It kind of prepared me to say, well, when I'm explaining something to my son, he's like, well, you know, I know this, Dad, because when you're 17, you're impatient. Yeah. My great grandfather used to say, "Know everything and don't know nothing." <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's that's a great line. I like that. <laughs> yeah, I must have been you know right around that age, sixteen, seventeen, and you would hear you know I I know I know yeah you know everything and don't know nothing. So your dad, quality time, uh, did a lot of explaining things. I do think that explaining things to children. Is quintessential, whether it's explaining instructional or whether it's explaining in a corrective manner. The explanation is key. I've said before that if we can make it make sense to the child, then we've definitely done our part. I mean, ultimately, they're still going to make their decision, especially as they get older. But if we can explain it, that's definitely something worth doing for the benefit of the child. What do you say are some of the differences between the way you father and, and the way your father well, I mean this in a serious, serious way. I'm probably less critical. You know, just the temperament is a little different now. You know, it's almost a matter-of-fact situation between me and my father. If you do A, B happens this, and everything should stay in a straight line. Um, right. Now is it's more of a fluid action. You know, it's uh, more dynamic than just A to B to C. It's, uh, you know, let's... Let's gather what we need to do and, and move to somewhere else. But it's different. You know, it's different. Those differences are key because I think ultimately, without question, we, we have some of the upbringing from our fathers that we take into the, the way we father. Uh, but recognizing those differences, and, and there are probably a, a lot of things that cause that. I mean, for example, today and age, just the times in general are different. And so that's probably a contributing factor as well. And you know, talking about myself growing up in the 70s and 80s, it's a critical input from the parents is, is like, oh, this is how it's going to be and this is how it is. It's the same, but it's just a, a bit more in today's world. There's all kinds of information. 
I wonder how this has affected us, especially how the way that just fathering in general has changed. Just had this thought, but I think that my upbringing, you know, and I'm 43 years old, my upbringing was more experiential. And it seems to me that in general, that today children are more observational. So by that, I mean, you know, I would go outside and hunt down bugs and put them in a jar, right? I wasn't afraid of every little bug I see, but today maybe they've seen a a bug on whatever, Nat Geo or uh, a nature clip on YouTube. And so they have some, some, some ideas about bugs based on what they've observed from afar, as opposed to the, the experience of interacting with the bug. So I think, I think in general, <laughs> it, it, it's caused us as fathers to need to be able to give instruction, as you mentioned, and have a degree of patience because they, they, they haven't had quite as much experience as perhaps we did. I, I totally agree with that. Kids today, have so many resources that that same experience that you and I are talking about that's physical, they're getting a virtual thing and they're like, okay, I've had enough information on that. No move on. They don't touch the jar. They don't see the bug. They don't put the bug in there. <laughs> you know? I guess with the changing times, there, there's a need for fathers to adapt uh, to a degree to where we are in history. You know. Now, I know in a previous conversation, Mark, you paralleled your parenting style to being a fan. Tell us about that parallel a little bit. Well, actually it goes as far back as when my son was in T-ball and I was his coach. I'm a big baseball fan, love baseball. I coached him from T-ball all the way up to when he was 11. And coaching him every season, it was always something I looked forward to because it's something that I want to share with him. Probably the last season I saw him not so much into it as he used to be. I think he had a talk with his mother and uh, he wanted to come to me and talk to me about not playing baseball anymore. And we were sitting there talking and he said, hey, dad, I don't want to play baseball anymore. I was like, okay. I said, son, I'm here for you. I'll support you in anything you do. You know, I'm not only your coach, I'm your fan too. So I want to see you progress in anything that you do. I'll support you if you want to play soccer or anything like that or football. He said, no, Dad, I want to play football. And, man, it's a sport he took on, and he was great at it and a very athletic young man, dedicated himself to his physical conditioning. And I went from a coach to a fan. You know, Mark, let me interject in here. First off, I want to say thank you for, I guess, illuminating the room because that, that makes a lot of sense. As dads, it is fairly easy for us to be uh, coaches because we're giving instruction. We're wanting them to ultimately win at at, at the uh, if we were to call life a game. And the the concept of being a fan of your child uh, is massive. And when you put it in light of you loving baseball, obviously you have a boy you uh, allow him to get involved in that sport. And I can only assume that a lot of times we entertain the fantasy of, okay, well, maybe he'll do good in high school. Maybe he'll progress on to college. And, and who knows how far how far we take that that fantasy. But the idea that he would come to you and say, Dad, 
really not interested anymore. And you too, and I'm going to quote you to say, listen, I'm not only your coach, I'm also a fan. Uh, that has got to be a wellspring of, of relief for him. And I would imagine that it, it fostered some, some closeness between you two moving forward. It kind of makes me think about this. And for the listeners out there, I do want to let you know that if you uh, have some feedback that you'd like to share on the show, uh, please visit dadography.net. And there's a microphone in the middle of the page and you can click record and give some feedback. I mentioned that because Mark just implied that fathers should also be fans. Now, I do know that there's a way of thinking that perhaps says, hey, listen, I'm your father, not your friend. And, you know, that that language is debatable. I mean, I know it's you know, a lot of times just semantics, but Mark is is giving us something here and in, in saying that we should be our child's fan. Having an idea of something he would like to see his son do and his son then communicating, not wanting to do that. And Mark implementing uh, or relaying to him, hey, listen, son, I'm your fan. My question, Mark for you is this, what does that look like when implementing discipline? Because I know that dads that are hearing this, uh, well, some dads perhaps that are hearing this are thinking, well, if I'm his fan, that means I'm his friend and I'm not his friend, I'm his father. So, so you know, they kind of create this dichotomy. I mean, maybe it's a false dichotomy, but how would, how do you, what does that look like when you are uh, implementing discipline? When it comes to implementing discipline, if it's schoolwork or anything like that, I'm your fan. I'm encouraging you to do better. But when you don't do better, that fan that's sitting at, that I'm cheering for is not is not going to be clap as loud. <laughs> 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 you know? So a fan can go both ways and go positive or negative. You know, I wouldn't say I do the boo. I would say that I don't cheer as loud. I'd say, hey, look, you know, we need to fix something here. You forgot to take the trash out or you forgot your homework. You know, your game is a little off. When you use that metaphor, fan, I can't think of an athlete uh, on the planet that wants his fans to be disappointed. So I, I think there's an element there that fosters the child pressing on to to be a good child for them to make you happy to please you. They, they they aspire to, if you're a fan, I'm assuming they would aspire to want to please dad. You know, another thing that comes to mind, Mark, is, is what you uh, mentioned earlier that your dad did. And I'm thinking this kind of goes right hand in hand with it. And that's an explanation of things. I grew up in an era where it was do what I say because I said so. And, and that was my answer. You know, that was what, what was given to me because I said so, as opposed to in this instance, with implementing the being a fan, you could easily give an explanation, you know, that will help them along. Our parents must have played cards together because, you know, you always heard no means no. In today's world, you know, no means no the same way, but they expect explanations. They expect critical thinking when you answer something and they're observing you. I've heard a few of your guests talk about that kids observe everything. And I totally agree with that. In today's world, they're completely observing you and you have to be realistic when you, when you answer, you have to, you have to come with your A game. 
Well, and I guess, too, because they have access uh, to so much information, you know, like you mentioned earlier. Well, you've got an 11 year old daughter and you said it's Elena. Is that correct? Yes. And then you've got a 17 year old son, Austin. What's one of the major differences between fathering a daughter and a son? A daughter is is unique in itself. I believe where I fall into is is her security. I want her expectations from a man to be respectful. Expect a, a man to treat them respectful. I do take my daughter to her nail salons and stuff like that, which I do enjoy the reaction she gets and the enjoyment she gets out of going and getting her nails done. And it, seeing her happy is some enjoy. More and more research is is confirming that a, a female's sense of self-worth as a woman is commonly rooted in her experience with her father, you know? So, I mean, with this, with this in mind, what are some examples that you try to set for her? Well, like I said, you know, respect. She should always expect somebody to respect her, her behavior, how she carries herself. And she's a very independent lady, very intelligent, artistic, and talented. She does dance and chorus. She's done ballet since she was a kid and and it's gone all the way up. Of course, I'm not the dancer. <laughs> but, Maybe we should make this a, a video podcast for today so we no. can check out your moves, brother. <laughs> <laughs> and I went straight from understanding her her talents as, you know, with what she was doing, you know, with her dance and all that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the contribution she gave herself. And I just sat there and watched her and was just like, well, that's a really good move. And, you know, you really did good here. And wow. So I think that the value which she picks up from me should be that I'm interested in her life. I'm interested in things that she does. So she's 11. Obviously, you mentioned that you invest time in her things like uh, uh, going to the nail salon. So that's got to be pretty cool. That's some quality time there. Obviously, you get an opportunity to implement being a fan when she's at dance class or, or, or recital. So you have a 17-year-old son. He's a teenager. That's a different age group. As I mentioned earlier, they, they begin to explore life a, a bit more independently or experience life a bit more independently, a lot more curiosity about, about adulthood and, and life in general. Have you faced any challenges with Austin? Not challenges outside any teenager would have. You know, their curiosity would be, I guess, knowing what the limits are, you know, where you're going. That We still have rules here. A 17-year-old, it's, a, it's an awkward age. You're close to being a, an adult, but you're not, you know. Right. And I guess in his frustration, he's looking at it as like, hey, I don't have to be here at midnight every day. And I guess teaching accountability is probably one of my difficulties as I guess, and I'm guilty of it too. I was 17 too. And I remember accountability was probably one of my downfalls too. And, and the thing is he's becoming very accountable. He's very uh, entrepreneur, works hard, cuts people's grass and goes out and had a a great business plan and all that. Yeah. So to clarify, uh, when we think of, a teenager facing challenges as a father, we should encourage them and teach on accountability, correct? Correct. That's good stuff, man. I appreciate that for sure. 
So, and you've maybe you've already answered this question, but I will ask it. And it's that it's commonly stated that teen years are really challenging as a parent. Uh, have you found that to be true? Yes, teen years are probably the the toughest years. Things that I challenge myself with is trying to make sure I'm still part of their life somehow. They're striving for their independence in their teen years. But at the same time, I said, you know, I still want to do activities with with my son. Maybe I'll uh, plan an impromptu fishing trip, something like that, that him and I can go on, that we can go together so I can have some one-on-one time with him. And just, you know, maybe we can open up to each other and see how each other's lives are going. Maybe I need to share my life as a, as a father with him. like, And then at the same time, he can share back with me what's going on in his life. Well, it sounds like as he's uh, gotten older, that you two have not shied away from uh, quality time and activities together, which is pretty awesome. So listen, if you would, I'd like for you to encourage fathers to give some consideration to being a fan as a worthwhile fathering style. Being a fan does not take away being a parent. The definition of a fan should be someone that always strives to see that their child is progressing at their best ability. As any fan, when they see their athlete or their team, they want them to exceed. They want them to win. And and I guess those are the qualities as, as a fan to my kids. I expect them to continue being their best. But at the same time, I don't expect to not implement discipline. I'm extremely grateful, Mark, for you coming on to Dadography today. Uh, You've certainly given us quite a bit to contemplate, think about, and implement. I just want to express my gratitude for you coming on today, man. It's been a pleasure, and we certainly look forward to being able to put these things into play. Corey, thank you. And like I said, keep up the great work you're doing. Us fathers are appreciating everything you're doing. Fantastic. And guys, just one more thing before we go. I'd like to encourage you again to visit our website at dadography.net. Scroll down to about the middle of the page and click on the microphone. Give us your feedback on some of the insights that you're hearing on the show. We uh, certainly look forward to hearing from you. Today's fatherhood insight comes from Mark Owens, a father residing in the state of Virginia in the USA. On this episode, Mark offers two thought-provoking insights. The first, be not only the coach of your child, but also their biggest fan. Cheer for them in their efforts of self-discovery. And secondly, he suggests that as your child enters their teen years, put a special emphasis on accountability. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Dadography Podcast. Thanks very much for listening. I would, however, like to invite you to be a part of the show. Visit our website at dadography.net. Scroll down to the bottom of the page. Click on the microphone. Tell us your name, where you're from, and what fatherhood means to you. Remember, it takes more than DNA to be a dad.